Welcome to a beautiful day in the Swamp Ward. Down a gentle slope from here is the Cataraqui River, on its way to meet Lake Ontario. A causeway crosses the river, connecting Kingston to the east. And the hum of cars on the causeway is a sound that people who live here know well. Hot summer nights, brisk winter mornings, it's always there. In six episodes, this podcast series introduces you to the Swamp Ward through its sounds and its voices. I've spent a lot of time talking with people about this place, and I want to share with you what makes it special, what makes it ordinary, what makes it real. Swamp Ward, yeah. It was like another universe. We used to go and raise proper hell as kids in there. A lot of stuff like that went on back then. This was years and years ago. I never changed my mind about what we did at the time. I knew we were in the swamp. It was swamp. So then we got nicknamed Swamp Ward. Swamp Ward. Swamp Ward. Swamp Ward. Swamp Ward. Swamp Ward. What's a swamp water? Always swamp water. I'm Laura Murray, and you're listening to Stories of the Swamp Ward from Kingston, Ontario, Canada. This first episode is called What's in a Name? We're trying to get at the nature of this place, where it is, what it was like, what it is like, and what it's been called. Well, my mom took me down to phase two when I was a little girl, and there was these karate pants, and I was short. I am short. (laughs) I was short then. And I fell in love with those pants, and I remember I wanted them so badly, and she wouldn't get them for me. And I always wondered where we were. So where are we anyway? Well, Kingston is a mid-sized city midway between Toronto and Montreal. Princess Street is its main drag, and we're north of Princess, along the river. There used to be lots of marshes and swamps around here. The Huron people called the place Gutteraqui, which means muddy, wet place. And somewhere through the years, the area that was on paper, the Gutteraqui Ward, became known as the Swamp Ward. All these houses and everything was built on swamp. It was swamp. So then we got nicknamed Swamp Ward. Most of the swamps got filled in when the railroads wanted a flat place to lay their tracks or when people needed a place to dump garbage. A reporter from the Week Standard phoned us and said, can you meet me? So we, we went and met him down on Cataraqui Street. Like, and of course, he wasn't from Kingston. And I said, and uh, remember, Preston, that was all city dump. <laughs> what do you mean, city dump? And, uh, you know, it's a city dump. And we used to go on sleighs, and you'd get on the sleigh, and you'd go down the dump. But you had to get off before you hit the tracks, because if you went over the tracks, you went in the lake. (laughs) (laughs) We had everything there. Eve's butcher shop, the bar's ladies' dress goods, and Kennedy's grocery store, uh, besides Bird's store... Oh, and Divine's store, McCall's drugstore. My mother's sister worked at Crothers Cookies. And I remember every week she would buy a big bag of broken cookies like this for 25 cents. And she would bring one to our place, one to my cousin across the street, one to my aunt down on James Street, another one to my other aunt in wartime houses. She took turns going around every weekend with this big bag of broken cookies. We never looked on ourselves as poor. No. Because we were the same as all the ones, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the church's a good thief. Colonel Pence, 
worked for the Whig. He came down one time when Dad was alive in the bed with the big basket of Christmas, like turkey and ham and all this stuff for us, eh? And I'll never forget it, there was a hockey stick. Well, my eyes was right on that <laughs> hockey stick. You couldn't eh? care about the turkey. <clears throat> yeah, and, uh, uh, and Mom said, uh, Oh, Bert, <clears throat> uh, Colonel Pence is here with the basket for us. Take it out. We're not a charity case. Take it out. And uh, and I could see that hockey stick going back <laughs> in the car, like, you know. And uh, <clears throat> But they, they were proud. It's like being called Irish. You know, if you're from there, you're proud of it. Anybody from there, you know you can trust them because they've got your back. The outsiders, they look at it as a negativity. It was an important part of the city because of all the commercial business and the industry there, um, if you think of it. More so than South Princess, where you had family homes. Mm -hmm. If you get to our area where we lived, it was all industry and commercial businesses like that was there that really kept that uh, whole area going. Everybody in our area either worked the cotton mill, the tannery, McPherson's where they made sheet metal for ships, and the railroad. Yeah. Because there weren't apartment buildings like, like there is today. No, I mean, you had to go apartments. where you could afford, you yeah. know. And I mean, if you if you had ten kids and you could have been working at the cotton mill, but I mean, that's your, with ten kids, you had to go where you could afford. People from this area have thought a lot about this place, how it looks now and how it looked then, how it looked from outside, and how it looked from inside. When I was young, I didn't know any better. I didn't realize that at times it could be rough down there and it was a little uh, shady. Uh, being a young person, you don't know that. Uh, it wasn't until I went to high school that I realized that I was kind of on the, the wrong side of the tracks and uh, I was uh, looked upon differently than some of the people that lived on the south side or southwest side of uh, Kingston. You were kind of uh, embarrassed to say, well, gee, I lived down in that swamp ward in the north end. It was a very rough area. Like, a lot of kids grew up there, and it was very um, low incomes, single parents. It's a very sad neighborhood if you walk down the streets. At times, you can almost feel the heaviness, you know, of the area. And it, it's hard to be happy in that area. The only people that were happy were little kids. And then when they grow up so fast and have to go to work to help support the families, you know, it would be just like somebody turned a key and then they weren't happy anymore. They were just eat, work, eat, work, <laughs> sleep, work. <laughs> Sometime, I'll tell you about Alan Babbitt and the 40 Thieves. There were 39 or 40 of them all together, and half of them carried guns. They knew me, I was lucky. You don't call anybody a goof in Kingston, because <laughs> you'll get stabbed in the eyeballs. <laughs> goof is a prison term for somebody who's a rat. So that's probably the worst thing you could possibly call somebody North Princess. There's downtown, there's Sydney Mort, there's 
was, and we're all like within eight blocks of one another, but it's so segmented into little tiny uh, known entities. The only thing that ever really upsets me, you know, like Princess Street, the line. You lived on one side, or if you lived on the other side, you know? I don't know if you know. NOP, North of Princess. It was just this vague North of Princess. What did it mean? I, I'm not really sure. <laughs> Coming up on the other side, you always lived on the other side of the tracks, so. eh? We didn't notice any difference between north side and south side, really, because my mother said, you're able to mix with both. So we did. Yeah, after all, we were playing hockey and football in high school, and you're mixing with all these people that became your friends as well. When I was in high school, we lived about four doors south of Princess, and to me, that was a very big and real distinction that I was like, oh, I'm south of Princess. So even though I had grown up over here and spent a lot of time over here, it kind of felt like an upward move that we had moved just barely south of Princess Street. So when I would come over here to go on my friend's paper route or go to a party, it felt like a little bit dangerous. So, lots of consensus about Princess Street as a dividing line. But not everybody likes the term swamp ward, and there are all kinds of lines of thought about where that term comes from and what it means. Why is it called swamp ward? I think the army started that. Uh, all the English soldiers did, didn't they? I don't remember that well uh, being called swamp ward. I remember that when they started having the festivals and I think they started calling it swamp ward. We didn't call it swamp ward. I knew we were in the swamp, but it didn't mean anything to me until we decided to have this festival and they didn't know what to call it and Charlie Ford said, well, call it swamp ward festival. And this is, it dawned on me, well, yes, it is the swamp ward. Everybody has their um, doubts about the whole area, and then if we finally got re revitalized or whatever, and they put some money into it. So you feel a little bit proud to live there. We started to have these festivals, and everybody came and told us stories that they knew of. Well, it makes you feel important. So this festival is really was important to us. I suspect if you came from the south side of the city in the 50s, you stuck your nose in this neighborhood and referred to it as Swamp Ward, you would have got a broken nose. We were aware of the fact that we were called Swamp Ward, but, you know, people were sort of proud down here, very proud of what they'd accomplished and what their community was about and how tough they were and how well they'd stood up to the challenges in life and so on. So there was a lot of pride down here. Um, Swamp Ward is kind of a pejorative that was imposed. But we didn't care. It ended up becoming a term of endearment. Um, I would put it right down to gentrification. When this became a gentrified neighborhood, it started becoming swamp ward. And I think it's a bourgeoisie concept that, that has been picked up and, and more of a label that's worn by the, the gentrified than the old timers that grew up in this neighborhood. We call it Swamp Ward Festival. You named it. You suggested that name. Hey? You suggested that name. I did Swamp Ward, yeah. yeah. So you, did, when you were a kid, did you call it Swamp Ward? Oh, yeah, we always did. We'd say we're going, we're going for a swim down the swamp. 
What's the swamp water? Always swamp water. <laughs> Whatever you call this place, it does draw people in. As far as this little building, this little church is concerned, I drive by here all the time. All the time. Go home. Go home. Busy being busy. What was I doing? I don't know. But one day I just said, is that place open or not? Because it looked kind of tired and worn and I don't know. So one day I just came in. The one thing I wanted was to have a neighbors, just to have a neighbor. It was more important to me than anything uh, Anything I can tell you, I just wanted to stay in one place and just know somebody for over a year. I, I planted gardens and never saw them come up and so forth. It's just a joy, really, it is. It's just so great to sit on that corner. You have no idea what will wash up. It's just like sitting on a beach. We had a number of people that we referred to as porch sitters because they'd always be on their porches all the time. We had a number of visits from either the police or the building officials when we did anything, when we put soil in the back, when we built the fence at the back, when we were doing work on our place, the police would pull in, they say, do you guys have a permit for this? And say, okay, so well, eventually, we learned that they were getting calls from neighbors, wondering what is happening with these places that had been pretty close to derelict for a number of years, and now this crew of people have moved in and things are happening, and maybe too quickly, um, so we got to meet our neighbors over that period of time and it was out of concern that they had for what is happening to their neighborhood. Which makes me wonder, is the Swamp Ward pushing people out these days? Like I feel like there's been a continuing tradition of change, right? And kind of depends on, you know, what your outlook is like on Kingston, right? It's a, it depends on sort of like what class of people you're comfortable with because there's has always been and will like unless there's some dramatic changes there will continue to be a real class divide yeah the class thing i don't know i feel like the people that live over here that clearly have more money don't flaunt it and don't like you can't tell like i i actually appreciate people like that you know but, you know, I don't want it to be all of that. I'm still glad there's, you know, the guy walking down the street with no shirt on and his pants hanging down past his butt and a bag of garbage singing happy. You know, I want my kids to see that. I never saw that. And I think it's really important to see how people live and that we can live with them amongst each other. It has sort of like a cultural cachet now, whereas before it was an insult, or it was a judgment line anyway, where if you lived north of Princess, you lived on the wrong side of the tracks. And so this is now a neighborhood where people from outside the neighborhood come and collect beer cans on recycling night, whereas, you know, when I first moved here, it was people in our own neighborhood that were doing that. You see houses that get sold that are pretty dumpy and fixed up. Yeah, we've seen a lot of change, for sure. And that's, you know, you almost want to take something and, and capture it so it stays. My new epiphany was, I don't want to live in a neighborhood I can't afford. And I can't afford this neighborhood. I mean, living here is so cheap because 
we paid so little at the time, but my people, my people won't be able to come to this neighborhood. So that to me has been on my mind a lot. so much for listening to this first episode of Stories of the Swamp Ward. Stories of the Swamp Ward is produced by me, Laura Murray, with audio production and story consulting by the patient and fabulous Phil Lichty. Jeff Elliott did the final mixing and mastering. Music is by Sam Allison. Today, you heard the voices of Garth Amy, Susan Anderson, Anne-Marie Blaney, Peter Blaney, Laverne Cochran, Stuart Crawford, Kate Cross, Rose DeShaw, Bruce Downey, Charlie Forty, Winnie Forty, Lorraine Good, Dinah Jansen, Robbie Kennedy, Lori Lavalley, Corey Mayhew, Vi Rosamond, Matt Silburn, Herb Sturgis, and Preston Sturgis. Interviews were conducted by Bronwyn Jakes, Lauren Luchensky, Scott Rutherford, Jamie Swift, and me, Laura Murray. Other assistants along the way came from Ronan Goldfarb, Ella Mackay Singh, Justine Hobbs, and Yanni Pantis. Queen's University and the City of Kingston Heritage Fund provided essential and generous financial support, and thanks also to friends of Kingston Inner Harbour and CFRC, Queen's Campus Radio 101.9, our partners in these podcasts. If you want to know more about this little spot of the world, check out swampwardhistory.com, the website of the Swampward and Inner Harbour History Project. And there's a special companion blog post to this podcast episode at swampwardhistory.com slash what's in a name. You can see photos and maps there to orient you if sound did not suffice. We're just we have a new machine here. We're just trying to learn how to use it for our recording. Now wait a minute, I wanna find out about you too. Oh, okay, that's fair. Where are you from? I mean uh, what who's behind all this? I'm behind it. <laughs> You're behind it. Um, I, so I'm from Toronto. I grew up in Toronto. Mm-hmm. But I lived here for 20 years. Well, you're part Kingstonian. I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I live on Raglan Road. Hey, so did I. Okay, I'll just move this so it doesn't rattle too much. Um, so Claude was my neighbor and Marie, his wife. And they used to just tell me things about the neighborhood. And um, I just got really curious to learn more about it. The Swamp Ward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where did and, it get its name? <laughs> well, from the swamps, I guess. <laughs> oh, we have to tell you about the next episode. This was the first of six episodes of Stories of the Swamp Ward. Next up, we'll hear about cigarettes. We sold a pile of Candy apples. The best ones anywhere. Shoe repair. Harry Tanovich. Harry was an atheist. Smoke meat. The whole network of small businesses that made the neighborhood what it was. That'll be the Keeping Shop episode. It was a great big sign as you came in the delicatessen. In God we trust everyone else pay cash. And yet my father gave credit left, right and center. Check it out. <laughs>